it's Fleur with the Inner Call Podcast, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm in Lisbon right now. I legitimately just walked off the plane, but for good reasons. I actually took a short little vacation. It was a friend's birthday, and that birthday landed me in the most glorious Tuscan landscape that I have ever gotten to land myself in. And I'm feeling nourished and regenerated and just so grateful. You know, Italy is something magical. It is truly spectacular. Not just the food, but the countryside, the light, and of course the joy of friends never hurts. Um, so if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I could use some Tuscan landscape, guess what? I'm gonna be going back to Italy in about a month and a half for a retreat. Super excited about it. And it's wildly transformative, but it's also gonna be beautifully relaxing and um, enhancing in all possible ways. You know, there is nothing like Italy to reset the nervous system. So if you if that sounds good for you, uh, I know I'm excited to go back, then come join us. And you can find more information on the website, of course. But I also want to tell you about the guest that I have today, Joel Shearer. A bit of background there that I think is, is quite cool. I had heard about Joel's work with Chromosonic um, primarily kind of a while ago. And I'd heard about it being spoken on a couple podcasts and it was mentioned in a book that I was reading. And I thought, huh, okay, I want to explore a little bit more. Chromosonic, for those of you who haven't heard of it, is an immersive light and sound experience, and it is currently stationed in Venice, California. So I myself have not gotten to actually experience it, but what I find so interesting about it is that it's meant and designed to help people shift their nervous system, uh, calibration, brainwave states. It's really just a shift of awareness through sound and music. and that, of course, is fascinating to me because I know that in order for you to be intuitive, you have to be able to shift into that awareness state in order to be intuitive. So I'm always looking for new ways to shift awareness, for new ways to experience that. And this is what led to Chromasonic and my interest in it. I figured out that one of the collaborators on this project is Jules Shearer. And then I did some Instagramming as we do in this day and age. and I figured out that we have a very close mutual friend slash next door neighbor of mine. So reached out to him, he reached out to Joel, a little domino effect, and before you know it, Joel's on the Intercall podcast. It's a very exciting, very interesting conversation about Joel's own spiritual work, his music background, how he sees this interplay between sound frequency and shifts of awareness. And if you're somebody who is always looking for new and expanded ways to shift that awareness for yourself, to get more into the intuitive space, this is going to be a good conversation. His resume is vast. He is a diverse multi-decade career, like big shot in the music industry. A um, couple of names just to drop in there. Alanis Morissette's Grammy winning Jagged Little Pill album. He worked on uh, Rai's latest release, Passing, and he's worked on a bunch of film scores, including 127 Hours, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and he's worked along amazing artists such as Annie Lennox and Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, who we bring up in conversation today, Michael Buble, Damien Rice, 
Sarah Bareilles. I mean, if you didn't recognize a name in there, then you've been living under a rock. But one of the other things that he does is ambient music. It's very good. He's got three albums out, I believe, and you can find them anywhere on Spotify or any other music streaming platform. And he uses uh, the manipulation of electric guitar tuned to 432 hertz to really create a soundscape and experience that is incredible. So I also really recommend you go check out his musical work, but the conversation is, is a joy. So I hope you love it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening in. Hey, Joel, are you already in Paris? No, no, no. I'm in, I'm in Topanga right now. I'm in LA still. I go to Paris on Sunday, actually. Yeah, it seems to be, I'm just seeing what's going on here. I could move to another part. I mean, usually this is a good spot for uh, Wi-Fi, but there's a little bit of a lag. Carry you through my living room. This is the best part of, it, of the interview. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, thrilling. <laughs> People are going to be really interested in this part. They're going to be like, I can identify with that. I can identify with Wi-Fi issues and... This should be the actual um, interview because this is what actually people go through in their lives. Exactly. I think it might be a bit better, actually. So you go to Paris. Are you going to stop in Lisbon at all? I'm going to try to get over to Lisbon for sure because I want to see Brooke and I want to see all the other friends, Arthur. And yeah, that's the plan. We'll get to meet in person. And... Yeah, exactly. How long have you been over in Topanga? Not nine years now. I love it. I mean, if I'm going to be in L.A., this is the only place I'd want to live, ultimately. If I didn't live here, I'd probably move away from L.A. Nine years. Okay. And you love it? Do you ever go down to that little country mart? Yeah, do the country mart. There's the... I, I, I like supporting them because I, they're the, one of those places that I wonder how they stay in business because nobody goes there anymore. But I think the, the deep locals go there. They have those like the little, you know, pre-made food and it's kind of nasty. But the country mart actually has, for the size of it, it's pretty amazing the diversity of product that it's like literally like a little store like a you can get everything there. They're old school. That was that's how I feel about it. Every time I go in there, I'm like, how do you t happen to have the one thing I needed as if it's magic? How did how you know where did that come from? So yeah, I like it too. But you're in LA and you're a musician and you've created or partially created in terms of it's a, it's a group effort by the sound of it, this experience called Chromasonic. So I just want to start there. What was your journey into Chromasonic and how did you get involved? Well, Chromasonic is a collaborative art studio that was founded by myself, another musician named Orfeo McCord, and a visual multimedia artist named Johannes Giardoni. And we met... Coming on six years, actually, now. It's amazing. My background is, is guitar, playing guitar, music. So generally, kind of my career has been playing on records and touring, mainly, and film scores. So basically in the pop world. So I started playing guitar when I was 10 and really into music and grew up around music and always knew that's what I wanted to do with my life. And so it was just, it was like everything was in my way. Everything felt like Anything that wasn't music was in the way of me doing music. That's how life felt for me. Mm. Even school, even being in high school, I was like, ah, school isn't, I'm, you know, like I have to go to school today, but I need to go play my guitar, you know? Um, and I was super just focused on that. And 
I think because of that razor focus, I just these doors kept opening for me. And I and when I was in my early twenties, like twenty one, my I was in a band. We got signed, and we went up to Seattle and made a record. And then through that band, I met a lot of people. And one of the earliest artists that I met in my like in the early days was Alanis Morissette, and she was making her first record. And the producer brought me in, played on that record, and then that started that relationship. And I'm telling you this now because that was never my trajectory was to play for other people. I was in my own band, and I always thought the you know that band would make it or whatever. That was the goal was to be in like a successful band. My band didn't make it. We toured for you know a couple of years, or whatever, and fell apart. And at the end of that tour, Alanis's guitar player left the band, and she had already blown up, and she was a huge artist. Da, 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 da. So I started playing with her and touring with her, and from that just opened up this whole other world where I was playing in the pop world, playing on a lot of records for different artists, and then jumping from tours to tours. And it was an amazing time. It was like my 20s and 30s. All along that journey, I'd always sort of had my own bands or projects that were creative outlets for me, because I never... Uh, I. I'm not really a guitar player. I'm actually an artist. I need to create. Although I'm playing guitar, I'm kind of unhappy actually playing just other people's music. In my journey of wanting to to sort of become a, like a a different type of musician or a different type of guitar player, I sort of there was a moment when I was 18. I was obsessed with Jimi Hendrix, like obsessed, obsessed, and I wanted to just be like that or be that good or whatever. But early on, I kind of realized I was never going to be Jimmy Hendrix. I was never going to be Steve Ray Vaughan. I was never going to be David Gilmour. I was never going to be any of these guys. But what set them apart is their their unique style. You know, you knew it was them when they played. And so I thought, okay, I have to come up with something that's my own. And I've always been drawn to atmospheric kind of guitar playing. Even as a, when I was younger, I've always had delays on and reverbs. And I love the soup. I just love being this like soup. On records and even in the pop world, I sort of started to have this reputation of like being more experimental and doing things differently and creating different sounds with the guitar and so on and so forth. So in this sort of process of doing that, and also at the same time, not getting fed up with the pop world, but being less enchanted by it. I don't care about this sort of egoic rock star thing. It's never been appealing to me. Being around people who think that they're rock stars is not appealing to me, that kind of narcissistic energy. So all of this, these little things going on have just sort of set, I started to want to explore getting out of the pop music world. I needed to have different conversations. I needed to have different input stuff coming in. All that stuff was becoming very shallow for me. Ultimately, in these different conversations and going to Burning Man and starting to hang out with different artists and architects and different people. And I tried ayahuasca for the first time in my ayahuasca journey. It was a very blissful experience, actually. I, I'm gonna, it's hard for me to call him a shaman because he was a white dude, but you know, like, so I'm, I'm going to say the guy that was holding ceremony was playing instruments, doing it. And they had this uh, mouth harp. From my experience, all the sound that was coming from him was traveling through the wood, and I could feel it coming and coming into me as a vibration. Right. So this is a profound moment in my shift of how I was experiencing music or listening to music. So literally, it was, it was a wave, a waveform coming into me. And it was profound. It was like, whoa, when I'm talking about it now, I get chills. It was a long time ago. And in that moment, I didn't realize what I was absorbing, what was happening. That was a shift. I started to explore taking these sounds I'm creating with my guitar, these atmospheric sounds, and removing the drums and removing the vocals and removing the structure of the song and removing and removing and removing. 
and just having these frequencies and these these sort of these atmospheric moods and i was drawn to the idea is like how are these how is this still affecting me why am i still emotionally drawn to this why am i still emotionally affected by this or soothed or all the things that happen so i started to explore cymatics which was basically it's the visualization of sound you know you put sand or you can do it with water whatever you put it on a vibrating plate and you feed it a frequency and then the the sand goes and creates a mandala and at different hertz you could see different shapes are very 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 apparent come very clearly if you did that relative to 432 like 440 is concert pitch so if you pitch it down 32 cents to Mm -hmm. 432 those same shapes become really precise so the cymatics was this other deep dive into frequency and vibration and how we're all vibrating, we're all frequency. So it brings you to the chromosonic experience, which from how I see it and have seen it on Instagram, it says hear light, see sound. Yes. So it's this experience in which however you think you're supposed to interact with your environment has a sensory shift, correct? Right. Chromosonic is removing narrative. So we remove form, we remove narrative, anything familiar. So you, you enter a space and then the sound is directly mapped to the light. So the, the light is, is being created by the sound. So through frequency mapping is the, the technology that we've created. It's not the technology we've created, but it's what we use to make light audible and sound visible in that sense. So it's mapping frequency to frequency ultimately. And so in these spaces, the whatever input you're doing. So we do light to sound and sound to light, but it could also be biofeedback. Anything, any input can do anything in the technology we've developed. And the experience that we have in Venice right now in satellite in that particular platform, it does sound to light. So we go into this space. It's a curvilinear geometry, and this is Johannes's brilliance of, of his, his work with architectural spaces and creating a space that has no corners, no shadow it's just it, it, it gives the sense of infinite space sort of you're looking into a void and then we through illumination and the whole space is is the speaker so the path of chromosonic basically was uh, touring with orfeo who's a founding member of ever sharp and the magnetic zeros and we started talking about our individual explorations of of sound and vibration and frequency and how it affects us because just to just to like really get that in there because at the end of the day, when we're looking at a sound wave, that is just a frequency wave. And when we're looking at light, we're also looking at a frequency wave. So surely there would have to be some way to correlate or to have one translated into the other. That was our thought, yes. And that was the, the curiosity. It's All of this came out of a curiosity and a, and a wanting to create an immersive experience that removed the performer. That was a huge part of this project, Chromosonic, was removing the performer because of the projection that the the separation of of sort of the audience member and the performer and the projection onto the performer that happens and all of that sort of thing that happens in pop music and movies and that's it's still an external experience, right? Where the projection is taking you out of yourself. So the entire premise of Chromosonic is to get you connected to yourself. So you remove narrative, you remove story, you remove the thing that you project upon, and you're just left with you. And then you're left in a unique environment that you've never been in before. So it's almost, you know, like people that have done DMT and people that have done altered, so, you know, work with medicine to, to get to altered states, mm-hmm. say that this is a very similar experience, but without the, 
the, the drugs or the substance or the medicine or whatever you want to call it. So when you enter that space, your sensory experience to it would be to hear sound, but also to see light. And that is a state then that shifts you into internal awareness because there is such a immersion. Right of these two kind of coinciding, you don't have the performer, you don't have the projection. So what people are finding is that then they have to go internal to experience that, that, that state of music, whatever that is, which brings you back to the hear light, see sound. Very interesting. And it's unique for everybody. So everybody has different experiences and color, the light and the, the, the Johannes's practice with working with light prior to meeting us, he knows how to create these shifts in the color. So it really, it's a unique experience that you don't normally have. And so because of that, it, it really takes you to, a, a, should we say, radical states of presence. So you, it takes you to these radical states of presence, which then allow you to be just with yourself. You know, we're so distracted in society. We're always on our phones. We're always noise. There's always stuff going on. There's always music in the background at restaurants. And we're talking loud. We talk louder to get over the sound of the music. And no one's really it's it's just we're noisy we're a noisy species so mm. the idea of chromosonic is just calm it's like pause you know fascinating and it's in venice in california so you're not that far away that's where we're based yeah, yeah. have you had a moment in your own life where you're like i'm really grappling with something i'm gonna go sit in this light in this sound have you had that moment we talk. No, it's funny. We talk about it a lot because when we're when we're programming or working, we're in there a lot, and we'll be in there hours at a time. But we have said like, oh, I need just to like we we should start our sessions by doing a session. We should start our workday by just going and doing doing the actual thing. No, I don't do it. It's funny. It's also like I don't listen to my own music, and it's because it's work still. So I forget that. Oh, I could go do that as well. You know? Yeah, I get that. You do your own meditations. You know, I, I actually do. It's so. <laughs> So embarrassing. That's good. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I know exactly where I want to get, and I don't know any other meditation mm. that will get me there. So I, I have. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, no, I do, I do actually listen to my own meditations. But it's the only, it's the only work thing I would do of, of my own, right? Like I can't watch myself do other things. Okay, I've done the same. I must admit, I've done, I've listened to my own stuff to meditate, to calm, like, but it's like usually at four in the morning when I can't sleep. I'm like, oh, I'll put that on and I go to bed. But Yeah, yeah. It's like that vessel. I know exactly where we're going and that was my intention. So let's use that one. When you have had this experience of you're in ayahuasca, you're getting this experience of, oh my gosh, it's all frequency. Is there a sense of having now a calling to keep unraveling that? Do you think you've unraveled it enough? Where is that next? No, not at all. No. This is like a life work now. We've only just scratching the surface of the potential of what we're doing and what we're working with. And to me, it's, it's hard not to, it's hard to go back in essence. I really just want to work. I want to just put beauty into the world, as much beauty as I can through sound. That's it. Like I, that's the, the goal, ultimately. And with Chromasonic, that we have a very thoughtful, intentional plan with how to roll out into the world with these different platforms. And we spent a lot of time thinking about things and having conversations with people. And this is why, like, the conversations is a huge part of how Chromasonic came to be. 
and it's a huge part of where chromosonic will go or and in, in my own work as well like that's why i brought up bernie man because it was it's i think it's very important culturally to have different conversations have difficult conversations to have challenging conversations in terms of pushing knowledge and pushing thoughts and pushing things and once things create sort of are created a thought it's it, it starts to create its own gravity and it wants to multiply and wants to grow you know you know there's no mastering of this concept of frequency and vibration i mean it's 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 fascinating yeah it's the reason that i i wanted you on the podcast because when i'm teaching these days and i'm looking at how do i help people access their own inner knowing with the underlying belief, the foundation that it's already there and we're just in the way of our own knowing. But once you see it, you can't unsee it, you know. Right. Like that's the like my my belief to begin with, with any student. And then it's like, well, how do we get out of the way then? And what is in the way? And what are different things that we can do to get into the receiving mode? And I've found over and over again that changes in light, in sound, in frequency, in essence, are the way in, regardless of whether you're kind of bathing in it, you know, in chromosonic, or if it's a simple shift of your environmental experience of putting on a soft piece of music or really putting a different lens on what you're listening to. It's almost like if you can just shift your brain to look at it from a slightly different angle, you can start to clear up some of that space where you're not in such a linear direction. And it sounds like that's what you're doing, you know, for me. To, to support what you said. So, you know, that there's the concept of manifestation, right? Manifestation comes from a thought. A thought is a frequency now. Thought, you could think of a thought as a waveform. Everything is a waveform. Just if you just imagine that everything is a waveform in, the, in, the, in existence, it's, there's nothing actually solid. It's all just. And so this thing of harmonizing <clears throat> with your, your true self or harmonizing with what you want, that's the, the manifestation concept, right? So I'm, it, here's the layman's version of the, the high level. is like you think of the thing that you want and you have to feel it. You have to feel that vibration before you're going to draw it towards you, right? You have to embody the thing that you want to become before you become it. Um, and that's the feeling is also a frequency. It's a vibration. And we talk about that in even street talk of like, well, that guy's got a bad vibe, right? Like that's, it's, it's in our culture, vibration and frequency. Well, you come into a room, it's like, wow, the vibe in that room is because you're not in a harmonic match with the energy. Energy is vibration. It's just high vibes, high vibes, guys, low vibes, right? So we, we it's, it's all the same thing. And I think the thing of like, you think of a river as also just moving. It's just flowing. So the stagnation, what does the river do? It, it stops, but it also figures out a way to go around and then keeps flowing. And I think as people, um, it's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. like whatever that, everything that is ever been and ever will be already exists. Like you said, it's all there. So when an artist taps into something or draws something, it's not ours. It's not, we don't own it. We're not responsible for the creation of it, we are stewards of this incredible flow, of this incredible expression. It's all already here. So it's like channeling it. And everybody on this planet, every animal, every sentient creature, all the flowers, everything taps into whatever their thing is that they tap into to create the thing that they create. You know, it's just expression, 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 express, express, express. You know, so I think that's um, a premise for 
with, with Chrome Sonic is and tuning and getting people out of their own way, out of their own thought process. So when you're stuck in a thing, you're just stuck in a frequency. You're just stuck in a pattern. It's just like a repetitive loop. So the idea of getting into an environment that you're not used to or something that's different allows that your mind to go, oh, something else is happening. And just getting out of the way enough, just getting out of the way enough of your own way allows for this other thing to come through and then you can follow that. Yeah, it's that it's a shift of awareness. It's a moment where you're just like, oof, different different place. And I think you can do it in a million ways, right? Like you can go binaural beats. You can go just listening to really Zen music if you allow it to change your environment enough. A hundred percent. Breath work, deep meditation. There's so many different ways to shift and to get out. You know, for me in my life, if I'm feeling stuck and stagnant, I have to move my body. Mm. I have to like literally either like start moving or go for a run or go for a hike. Those kind of people, you know, jump in the ocean or there's so many different ways to get out of the thing. Chromosonic is just another, another spot to go and do that. And the idea of satellite is to create a, a practice around this actually, so that you get into different modalities within it and there's less resistance the more you do something, obviously. So you go deeper with it. So, I mean, it's this, We've done this particular experience in Venice so many times, and every time it's different. Yeah. I can't predict what's going to happen, and I know I have the piece memorized. You know, so it's fun. Yeah, in your own life, like I can imagine, maybe you just don't care anymore at this point. But you're going from working with big names to playing in a field of energy and things that aren't tangible. And do you feel like there's been People in your own life that have kind of been like, "What are you? What are you working on, Joel?" <laughs> you know, like yeah, my my dad, my mom, and my dad don't understand what I'm doing, which is amazing. They don't get it, you know, at all. Like why? What? Yeah, a lot of my friends who haven't seen it, they they see it, you know, like they they see the I, I post. I'm not a great Instagram posting person, you know, so but I do post around things on occasion, and they like, "What's he doing?" Yeah, there is like, "What are you doing?" But then the other, day, I I just had my 50th birthday. And so a lot of my friends from the east side that I have, I, that are like my lifelong friends that I'm going to know for the rest of my life, they have families now and everything. They came over and we held the dinner over at Chromosonic and they actually got to do the experience. And it was like, oh, that's what you're doing. Like, wow, I had no idea. I thought you had this like little dinky thing you're doing, you know. But I mean, my friends know that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it full on and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to do it with integrity i'm going to do it with the with yeah so i don't really half ass things so so there's a respect automatically even if people don't understand it like in my community people there's a respect but they don't necessarily understand it and it's hard to understand until you do it really because there's a lot of a, immersion like that word immersive experience it's sort of it's everybody has an immersive it's the new thing to do it's the new everywhere around the world there's the immersive van gogh and then there's super blue and there's all these incredible experiences going on so ours is very unique and it's not entertainment it's really designed to be a true like sort of like it's it's this sort of art and wellness and technology all merging you know so yeah mm. oh, it's fascinating when you've been sitting with like how do i bring those experiences to people because i feel your own music is similar. I listened to your music on Spotify earlier and I was like, oh, it's so relaxing. It's just like really like that soundscape. Thanks. What 
is that process like for you? Is it something where you go in with the intention of the environment you want to create, of the feeling you want to invoke? Does the music guide it? The music guides it. Like, it's again, it's one of those things where I'm a noodler. Like, I just noodle. I just play, and then I just poke at things. You know, if I if I could if I could give it, a, I just poke at things, and and then I just see what happens. And I'm really open to what comes back to me and as it comes back to me I'm like oh that's nice and then I follow that and then I support it you know and that's kind of my process with creating music or creating content or anything just poke and play and try and I'm not a very methodical the way I work or create and it's funny because in chromosonic there's there's three creators and we have very different processes Johannes is methodical he wants to draw maps of things and you know, have an agenda and, you know, it's very, and I'm like, ah, I don't understand this. Like, I just, I need to, I need to get my hands in it, you know? So I'm very much like a hands-on dive in, figure it out once I'm in there. And with, with creating music, it's like that. And I just Mm -hmm. make a mess and see what sticks, go with it. And then I clean up and then I make a mess and go with it. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because all of it sounds like it's an exploration also of your own consciousness, your own internal state. It's that, giving it to others but exploring it within yourself so what is what does that look like for you right now where are you at with your own internal state my goal in my life above anything else is to be a a, an elevated conscious aware person you know be a gentle kind caring present man did you have that always you just knew like that's where my focus wants to be i've never been a can i you can cuss I don't, I think I would say like the deepest spiritual practice is don't be a dick. Like, don't be a dick. So, you know, I have a very, um, humor life. Like to me, I laugh. I laugh a lot. I joke around a lot. I talk a lot of shit. Um, I tease people. I get teased back. My deepest <laughs> friends, all yeah. we do is bust each other's balls. Like that's how we, we're just always egging each other on and we laugh and it's life is this whole thing is so ridiculous, right? It's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. The fact that you and I are talking like we're talking right now is ridiculous. This is like super space age shit. Like, apparently, you know, that was the Jetsons. Yeah. Remember the Jetsons? Oh, I'm older. Yes, than I do. And this was like, that was the thing. I like, was oh promised a flying car, but I'll well, take this. I mean, look, they exist. It's just a matter of, well, yeah. what, you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's, we, it's, it's just crazy. So like where I'm at with my own practice is, is just to continue to evolve, be open-minded, less judgment. Um, continue to just laugh as much as I can and be as creative as possible and try to really follow my creativity and not be worried about the outcome or worried about if it's going to sustain or support me. Cause I, I'm, I've got, I've got the, the scarcity artist mind a lot and mm. it's very funny. It's like every time I the, like play on a record or do a film or, I feel like that might be the last time I'm going to work. And then I have this like, oh, and I have to just push through that. So, you know, in my evolution, creating things like Chromasonic or putting music out in the world like I'm putting out now, it all, it feeds me so much that mm. you know, it, I'm, I'm not worried about the financial part of it or the, the support of it because I'm so fulfilled making it and creating it yeah. that it can only support me. Like it's, there's no way it can't. So that's if I can just I'd love to touch on that scarcity mindset because I think it's such a real thing for the artist it's 
how how is it still showing up for you? Because you've done a lot of cool stuff by now. Like you've got a big resume, and none of it matters. It doesn't. It just shows up every time. It doesn't matter. Like I think the resume is. It's funny because we like I'll, I'll take it back to Chromosonic again. You know, when we tell our story. There's this thing, I don't like talking about what I did in the past or what I, I don't care because it doesn't mean anything to me. It's really what I'm doing now is all that counts, right? So um, the resume, I could look back and go, oh, wow, I'm, I, I feel fortunate and I feel gratitude for my life and my experiences every day. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I lived this crazy fun life, you know, and I get to travel and I did that, but it doesn't, it, it's, it's really about the scarcity is also programmed into me through my how upbringing. And I think it's programmed into a lot of society as well. It's part of the trap to keep you small-minded and to keep you in this mire. It's like, there is plenty, there's plenty, there's plenty, there's plenty, there's plenty, there's enough. Um, <clears throat> so for me, getting out of that mindset is really being present with what I'm doing and enjoying what I'm doing. If I can enjoy what I'm doing creatively, I don't, I don't have that thought. What works for me in getting me out of the scarcity mindset is doing something that I'm fully present and, and just in love with. Like I'm, I, I enjoy that so much. Like it's so nice to be in that creative space and nothing else exists in that moment. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm, I won't eat. I'm just like in it. I don't want to stop. And then I come up for air and I'm like, and I look outside and it's like, trees and flowers and my beautiful dog and like and then I'm every life is perfect yeah and it makes me think of like the the intuitive voice that we all have and the critical voice and sometimes people can really miss the distinction right like we think the scarcity voice the fear voice is the intuitive voice like oh you better not better not say no to that job like better like it can it can seem almost like it's a intuitive nudge have you been able to distinguish between and what does it look like actually for you to have that scarcity voice? Is that an actual voice for you? Like thoughts that are running through your head or is it just like a feeling of anxiety? How does it show up? It shows up. It's an, it's a, it's a underlying anxiety and I'm, I'm getting less attached to the old narrative of it. Yeah. But it's still there. It's like it's it's like a current. It's literally I could think of it's like a little electric current that just is nagging at me. I guess if I tap into, I'm sorry, I'm taking a minute to really think about this. The feeling to like, I'm getting less and less concerned with it. Like you could, it's there, but it's it's like noisy. You know, it's almost it's almost like I have a filter now. I, I have a control. I don't know if I've done the deep enough work that I can actually, the self work where I could actually go and dismantle it or de-pattern it or something, but I'm getting better at a filter that turns it off and allows me just to stay focused and not let that screw up my whatever I'm doing, you know? But I do wake up. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that can wake up at four in the morning and go, oh my God, what's going on? What's going on in my life? You know, and I have this like, okay, calm down, slow it down, slow it down, go back to bed, breathe, everything's cool, you know? So that's that's when it will it could surface when I'm the most vulnerable, when I'm just like not in, you know, so like mm. sleep. I think that makes sense. But during the day, nah, I don't have time for it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of people that get that in the morning. It's like they wake up with the anxiety. I've always, whenever I've heard about this from students, I'm like, thank God my anxiety doesn't show up that way. Because <laughs> like, that, sounds, that sounds rough. 
How does yours show up? Ooh, I feel like mine is emotional for sure. And it's like a very like tightening of my chest. And I've, and it's often I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. So I will just start looking at things that could be like, I'm like, is this it? Is that it? Is this, you know, and, and start to make things wrong. So I, if I kind of go down that road, I'll very quickly be able to convince myself like, oh, it's, this is the thing I found it, you know, like just kind of looking around my environment being like, what, what's, what is the, the problem? And then of course you're going to identify a problem. So you'll be able to pick at it. And then you're like, poor partner, poor sister, poor family, poor, you know, like whoever's getting. Whoever's in the wake. Yeah, exactly. It's like, this is the issue that I'm going to worry about now of like impending doom. But it's, it's, it's a very different, if I would like slow myself down enough, it's such a different voice for me. It's such a different energetic quality than the intuition. Like for me, the intuition is so neutral. And yet when you're in the anxiety response, I find for me, for other people, it's become so easy to just go roll down that hill, even though I know my intuition is never emotional for me. It's always neutral. So there is that moment where I have to almost be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we know this not to be truth. Can we slow it down? But the body gets hijacked, which is why I think. Totally gets hijacked. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and there we are. And it's a, it's a practice over and over and over again. I think our body and our nervous system also gets hijacked by our environment. We live in a very toxic environment it's like we're constantly even subconscious not even subconsciously we're constantly fighting off all the stuff just to you know it's a very wild up there (laughs) you know so absolutely and i think a lot for me my work has now been not necessarily even the moment of is this anxiety or is it intuition it's not even it doesn't even start there anymore it's like am i doing the work consistently to make sure that I'm not at a threshold of overwhelm because it's so easy to be at that threshold. So what am I doing to, to decrease my overstimulated nervous system, which is the soundscapes, you know, which is like, for me, a big thing has always been singing is like such a way in for me. Like it just calms me right down, which we also just know on a physiological level, if you sing, it activates the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the largest nerve that runs through your body, allows you to shift your energetic state. So for me, that has always just been something that works. And like allowing myself to sing in the car or to sing in the shower or like just throughout the day, just be like humming or singing or like something, right? It's like it helps me to take that threshold down has really, really been the biggest difference versus in the moment going, is anxiety, is it intuition? Is it anxiety, is it intuition? Because at that point, you're kind of already hijacked. So the the best you can do is just hope that you can do something else to decrease it or go to bed. <laughs> do you know? Like, it's like what, you know, at that point, there's, you're already, you're already rolling. Going to bed. It's funny you said that. Going to bed is a great solution. Like I'm at a place I, before when I was younger, I would just push through, push through, push through, power, power, power. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to start again tomorrow, like start again. And tomorrow might be four in the morning when I wake up and that's tomorrow and that's okay. But it's, it's, yeah, I think sleep is very, uh, 
Well, I think con- it's starting to be, it's very important to all. It's a reset. It's a reset. It's a reset. I am wondering if for you, intuition does come through in your translation of energy thoughts. Like, is it actual auditory for you or is it more sensory or is it more visual? Do you have a predominant sense? For me, it's feeling. Feeling. It's all feeling. I'm a feel person. It's all feel. And that's how you interact with your music from the sound of it as well. Yeah, I'm not a trained, studied musician. It's all feel. It's all literally, like I said, when I say putting my hands in it and getting dirty, that's that's how I do everything in my life. I just throw myself in it and figure it out as I go. And all of the movements are based on feel. You know, it's all feel. And so my instrument as well, you know, I, I'm a guitar player per se. I mean, I play other instruments, but that's my, that's such a ex- extension of my, like I, I literally, I wrap myself around the guitar when I play. I drench over it. Like we become this sort of thing that becomes one. It's all, it's feel. It's, yeah, for everything. I'm a very feely, feeling kind of person, you know, emotional. I'm an emotional, sensitive guy. <laughs> But yeah, feeling. Do you have? Did you ever have the moment where you were like, "Oh, maybe I should have been more trained in this thing"? Or yeah, I, I think about well, I think about that when I'm in work situations, like reading music, for example. If I read music, it'd be if I read music, I'd be a very busy session, like films, film guitar player. But do you feel like that would take away from the naturalness that you bring in? I don't know. I think about that too. I wonder. It's there's always that thing like, oh, if I was a studied musician, would I be where I'm? I don't know. I I don't know. I think it's never too late to learn. I'm still alive, so you know, I started playing piano so I could learn music. That was my intention because I have such a relationship with the guitar, and I'm I've never been a good practicer. I don't practice guitar. Like I I've never practiced guitar. I've always played guitar, and Piano was this way into the world of music and harmony because it's very, you can see it. It's all there. The guitar, the shapes change as you go up. So you play an F here. The next time you play it up here, it's a different shape. And it, it, and piano, if you play an F here and then you play it here and then you play it here, it's the same, right? So it, it, there's less confusion and it really uh, enabled me to get the basics of reading and, and add the basics down, you know, like, but just visualizing music in a very orderly way guitar is madness to me it's chaos Mm. which i love i look down i'm like this is crazy it's all crazy but you can just bend and you know yeah yeah. well there's a part of me that just loves that you're not trained because i feel like if you go and trained you'll very you'll have to fight really hard to get the naturalness back And I think there is such a thing of how we kind of have been shaped in society to say you got to go trained first and then improvise, right? Or like do it the right way, quote unquote, first, and then you do it your own way. But I like that you're doing it your own way first, have seen massive success, and then now you're going back to do it, quote unquote, the proper way. It's it's definitely works for me and for my personality and how I am in the world. I'm, I'm also like... I don't want to do it like everybody else. I'm so, I'm not a good follow the leader kind of person. I'm not out of line. Like I can follow rules. I'm not one of those like narcissistic, like rules don't apply to me. But I do think that I do have that sort of creative 
jolt of trying to do things in different ways. Play is the way in to like that intuitive flow to that creativity. I mean, if you can't play, then you can't you can't get in there. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love I love your experience. I am so wanting to go try this chromosonic thing. Next time I'm in Los Angeles, who knows when? Or maybe you'll bring one out somewhere a little closer to me at the moment. Who knows? A hundred percent. That would be amazing. I mean our goal is to have them all over the world. So it's a slow burn but that's it it's a journey and it sounds like the one that you guys have going on is is uh making an impact on people so that's incredible i'm i'm grateful it's been very transformative for a lot of people i've got a great partners really talented um intuitive intelligent heart space partners orfeo you know my relationship with orfeo over the last five years he's like he and his family are they're so dear to me and i'm so grateful that Mm. that's the guy I get to do this this project with. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very grateful. That makes me laugh at how small the world is because when is this, what, 10 years ago? Maybe more, 12 years ago? I went to UCLA and I was part of a committee called the Student Committee of the Arts and we programmed artists and we would try to identify the artists before they blew up because we had funds, but we didn't have crazy, crazy funds. So we got Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, and then right after they played Coachella, and we were like, yeah, we did. (laughs) And I was their artist manager, and it was just this crazy introduction to band life for me because they showed up with all like 15 of them, you know? Yes. And I was like, Ramshackle circus. Exactly. And I was like, guys, guys, we need, I'm I'm sorry, excuse me, soundtrack, like, please, like, (laughs) and it was just. Trust me, I. The, the most out of control thing I've ever been a part of. Because that's how I met Orfeo. Oh, really? My friend Stuart, who's Stuart's one of the founding members and Orfeo's one of the founding members. I got a call on a Tuesday night from Stuart. Uh, he said, what are you doing tomorrow morning? I was like, I don't know. He's like, do you want to play KCOW? Morning becomes eclectic with us. And I was like, sure. Like, well, yeah. And it's like, okay, you have to learn all this music. Our new album I was like, okay. Mark, the guitar player, shows up at my house. We jam through things. And then the next morning I show up and I do the thing with them. And like I walked in and it was it's like they're all in their own world. They're all like nobody's on time. It's like it's a shit show. I was like, yeah. this is amazing. And it was my, and that then, was my first time doing any of that. I was like, oh god, I failed. Are, I failed. No, they, they they're they're wild. It's it's super special. That was it. Every every my like that. It's the, that's another conversation. But my story into that experience it was amazing. It was like, do you want to play Coachella? I was like, sure, I'll play Coachella. Fine. But rehearsal, yeah, and but Orfeo, there's two backstage dressing rooms because there's 10 of the guys of the band, right? And Or I walked in one, it was noisy, and everyone's in there. I was like, oh, that was a lot of energy for me. And I walked into the other one, and Orfeo was in there meditating. And I walked in, and he, just, he opened his eyes. He was like, hey, cool. And he's like, you know, I just went in. And he had such this presence and calm about him and gentleness. Wild. And he quickly became the, this energy that was very important for me in this manic soup. That, that is Edward Sharp, this magical manic soup. But he was this very grounding place for me. I'll never forget that. Like that, that was my, my first real introduction to the magic of Orfeo. So yeah, he's a special dude. I love that. It's very fun. Was that the Coachella that they kind of blew up afterwards? No, there was their second. I, I did the that second was their one. Second. The first one oh, was, okay. that was, that was like, okay, this band's going to do something. Yeah. Yeah. We were so thrilled. We were like, we called that. <laughs> we were. And then we got, we got him to play Royce. Royce Hall. You did, yeah, because we because oh, cool. we were at the at UCLA, so we we would get to do two Royce shows a year, 
So um, we would try to like, when you talk about intuition, I suppose we would, it was what, 15 of us. And we got something like a pretty fairly big budget, but not big enough to bring anything major, you know, but big enough to be like, we're deciding. And that's pretty cool. So Janelle Monet was one year, Edward Sharp and the Magnetics. Like we would time them right before they would hit. Um, and it was like very cool. That's super cool. That's amazing. It's fun to get a band right before they, you know, there's, there's an energy. There's Heim. Mm-hmm. We'd got Heim as well. Heim are incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that energy. Like that's, um, you're right. It's, it's, I mean, it's magnetic. <laughs> Literally. Well, it's, the, you know, what you can compare it to is that when you start to feel the airplane taking off and you start to get pulled back in your seat and there's no going back. Like it's going to take off unless it crashes, which is possible, but it's going. And it's, that's that feeling in that. I think that's before those, you know, the Haim or the uh, Janelle Monet's or the Edward Sharps or whoever it is like that moment. And if you're able to be around that for any artist or anything, an, uh, an actor, or whoever it is, like anybody that's, it's a very exciting, just being a witness to it or being around it is very exciting. It's very like, whoa, this is going to go. This is like going to take, you know, so. It's nice to hear your side of it too, because it really felt like that meeting him, he did have for me at the time, an energy that I had not really seen around people before in terms of I would not met a lot of burners and that wasn't really like my scene at all. I didn't meditate really at the time yet. I wasn't into the, it was kind of like dabbling in it, but I, it was all very um, hush hush and like quiet. But I do remember meeting him and being like, oh, different kind of human. Like he's off in Mars somewhere. He's, yeah, he's, he's our, he's Chromosonics native psychonaut for sure as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. I'm glad you guys are working together. I think you're creating some magic. I'm, I'm very grateful to him. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to meet you, and I, I hope to meet you in person soon. Yes. Over, over there, and anytime you're over here, you're obviously, you know, welcome, and you'll be staying in Topanga. So. Absolutely, we'd love to connect. Uh, yeah, let me know if you're in Lisbon, and and I'm sure I'm sure the paths will cross. It's a very small world. I've learned. Great. Yeah. Look forward. Thanks, to Joel. Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.